done, Dean? Okay. Well, we're still uh, good morning. And uh, Dean said Merry Christmas. I'd like to say also again, Merry Christmas. I had a few people tell me the last two weeks, uh, Happy Holidays. I answered immediately, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I, uh, I hope you're enjoying your holiday, but we're celebrating Christmas. We're not celebrating the holidays. I wondered, I wonder nowadays what are, what are they teaching our children at school, you know, especially public schools, and uh, whether they are really talking about Christmas anyway. Um, we leave that in the hands of God, and we continue. We continue being loyal to the Word of God. And when we celebrate Christmas, we go all the way to celebrate it, right? Amen. So enjoy it. This is the last Sunday before Christmas. Christmas is next, next Tuesday, right? Tomorrow, Christmas Eve. And uh, I uh, wanted to talk about Christmas, but uh, which I will touch on that. But uh, the Lord said, you are going to speak about me today. I said, okay. I am. And uh, you know what, uh, what I'm going to talk about today? Some, a verse that you know by heart. Everybody knows it. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I took one sentence out of that, and that sentence is, he gave his only begotten son. Repeat, he gave his only begotten son. And this is what we are going to talk about today, and I hope it will touch your heart as it worked in my heart. Christmas, it's time of joy and cheer. It's a time of reflection with simple-hearted gratitude, amen, on the wonder of wonders, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the whole Christian world today stops to reflect on God's gift to the world, at least maybe for one day, and to remember the one who, sent, who was sent from heaven to give peace, redemption from sin and eternal life. As we focus, especially the last two days on Christmas, and people who have been focusing for the last month, and we as Christians, let us, let us never lose the sight of the wonderful and matchless gift to the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. And according to the scripture, God himself came down. Let me read a portion of 2 Corinthians 5.19. I want to read this verse. You don't have to open it. It'll be there. It says, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. What did we hear this morning during the break on bread about reconciliation? 
God was in Christ, reconciling the world into himself. And that's what happened over 2,000 years ago when he came down in the form of a baby to reconcile the whole world to himself. When we reflect on these words, okay, he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only son so freely, willingly, and fully for our sake. Think of that. Think of that. Our hearts should melt at the reflection of his love that gave and gave and gave until there was no more giving. When I was thinking about this, I said, oh yeah, we are busy wrapping things, we're busy decorating, we're busy putting lights uh, uh, on the house outside, we're, we're running here and there. But, but can we think what happened 2,000 years ago? And my mind went back to that day. And I thought, what kind of love it was? What, what kind of love? And came to my mind to share with you two words. It was a sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. For God so loved that he gave his only son. He gave his only begotten son. And we as the redeemed, and I hope everyone is, can think, how can God love such vile sinners such as us. I myself do not understand it. But I tell you one thing. I rejoice in his salvation. I rejoice what he did. And I praised him because he loved me and sent his son for me personally. And I rejoice that I took him as my own savior many, many years ago. Dear ones, when we love someone and make that one our choice, remember, we have to live with what we choose, right? But with Jesus, listen to what he did. He loved us as sinners, ruined undone. He covered us with his blood. He took our wounds. He took, he took our bruises. He took our ugly sores and healed us completely as we heard in the breaking of bread. Not healed. He, it says, uh, the doctor shared, he pardoned all our iniquities. He did not leave one undone. In other words, he gave us, he forgave us from all our sins. And I ask you this day, are you a forgiven saint this morning? Are you forgiven? If you are forgiven, you should, you should say, hallelujah, what a savior that came to save me. And this is when I was thinking about it. I said, Forget what Christmas stands for many things. I said, forget what you see outside. Think, 
of his coming. And God has sacrificed his only begotten son. He loved us. And he didn't say, yeah, I love you. Like we say, we love you. You're in our prayers. These things we say all the time. He loved us to the point that he died for us. This is what we need to think of. That he died. And this is why he came. To righteously claim you and claim me. And to make us his own children. As we remember why he came this morning, we must never, never, never isolate Bethlehem from Golgotha. Once you mention Bethlehem, it's immediately attached to that hill, Golgotha, or the cradle from the cross. Remember, that's why, why he came. Apart from his incarnation, there never could have been an atonement. And apart from the infinite love of God, there would have been neither redemption nor salvation. Listen to me when I was meditating on this. We can never know the costliness of Calvary to God can never know or experience. Nor can we ever measure the love that lay behind it. All we can do is fall on our knees and thank the love of God that took us in and changed our lives completely so we have become the children of God. To me, that is Christmas. There is a reason why he came. He came with his mind upon you and upon me. Not because we are beautiful. And thank God you're all beautiful. And handsome. As I said, we were wounded. We were in the... We were... Down, down, down. We had no hope. And he came. He came to the manger. And he was so lowly to stoop and pick us up. He gave his only begotten son. So you and me can celebrate the real Christmas, the real birth of Jesus Christ. And as we look around, as I said, we see traffic jams nowadays. I've never, I, you know, I live in Danville. I've never had so many stops and so many cars at any given stop. Those of you who, who drove in your own little town, I mean, busy streets, crowded stores, and everybody. We have decorations everywhere, I think. Thank God. But I was thinking, 
whether the crowd today recognizes Christ at Christmas time. All you hear is, I got that gift. All you hear is buying and selling. All you hear from the big conglomerate uh, stores that uh, we're ahead by 3% or we're down by 2%. This is what they're looking for. Looking for how much money do we make around Christmas. Yesterday, I read in the paper that said, today and tomorrow might be better than Black Fridays. That's how they measure the coming of the Lord to this world. And you know what they said? We might ring $2 billion nationwide. And no one is thinking about the Lord giving his only begotten son. No one. Not now. Maybe later. Ah. Do we recognize Christ at Christmas time? I came across this little story. Uh, it's not long ago, it's recent, a professor of psychology in one of our great universities gave a word of suggestion test to his class of 40 students. He instructed them to write the word Christmas. Then all the class wrote Christmas. Then he said, the professor said, then right after the word Christmas, the first thought that flashes through your mind. Clear so far? Okay. When the papers were turned in and he started tallying, uh, these were the answers. Holly, H-O-L-L-Y, holy. Three, what do you think of Christmas? Three, mistletoe, presents, turkey, holiday, carols, and Santa Claus. No one had written the birthday of Jesus. He's the forgotten savior. No one had a place in his or her heart for Jesus. And a word under there that says, as there was no room for the baby Jesus in the end, there is no room for him today in the celebration of Christmas. Who was the one who came? the only begotten son. And it behooves us as Christians never to forget this fact that happened over 2,000 years ago, that the Savior of the world came to save people, to change lives, to free us from sin, to pardon our iniquities. That was the purpose of his coming. And in order to do that, as I said, he had to go 
to the cross of Calvary and paid the price. That brings me to the second point. I said it was a sacrificial love, but the second point and last point, it is a love beyond measure. Beyond measure. He's looking for you. And he says, I love you regardless. And how different, how different is God's giving from man's giving? We give gifts. And sometimes we just, because, do, we, do we have to do that? In all too many instances, man's giving is for self-advantage. Allow me to say that. But when God gives, he gives out of pure love. He has no interest in you except to save you. And he had no interest in Adol, the sinner, except to save me and change my life. And hallelujah, what a savior to me. Men's giving can only be to a certain extent. But God, God's giving is without limit. Beyond measure. Think of what you have in Jesus Christ. You might not have wealth. You might not have what you dreamed of. But you have a good life. That's from God. You have good health. That's a gift from God. You have Jesus Christ. That's the best gift you can ever have. He gave his only begotten son. Men's giving is usually in a response to urgent cries for help. But God gives to those who neither realize their need nor appreciate the gift. Let me ask you a question. Do you think God's love and his son is appreciated all over the world today? Men gives, men's giving is usually to friends and families. But God gives his gift to those who are alienated, rebellious, and he gives beyond measure. The scripture declares that. He said, God died for our sins. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, the Bible says, when we were still enemies, what happened? We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. He gave his only begotten son. Do we realize this at Christmas today? Do we realize what we are, what Christmas means? And this is when I sat down. I said, okay, I can speak about the angels, about uh, many things. But do we appreciate the coming of the Lord to us? For God so loved that he gave beyond measure. 
You know, dear friends, that the measure of love is always its willingness to give and its capacity to sacrifice, period. And if you and I attempt to measure love, we must measure it by Calvary, by the cross. You want to measure God's love? Think what happened when he lived after 33 years ago. What happened? He came, his eyes, toward Golgotha, toward the cross, to complete and finish what he's intended to do since the beginning of ages, to save you and me and give us a wonderful life. Ponder this one. Ponder why you're enjoying Christmas. And the Bible tells us that Christ is a gift. He gave. He is a gift. What is our normal response to a gift? Let me ask you a question. What is your normal, my normal response? Did we pay for it? Yes, no? No. Okay. Did we work for it? It's a gift. Did we beg for it? Did we wait for it? No. We just take it and it becomes ours. Whether it's a car or whether it's a little thing. No matter what, when a gift is given, it becomes yours. If then Jesus is God's gift to us, our proper response simply and gratefully should be to receive him and crown him king of our lives. And by doing so, by doing so according to the word of God, and you can display it in John 1.12, by doing so, we are becoming as many as received him to them. He gave the power to become the children of what? Of God. To them that believe on his name. And listen to this. And this is the best gift for Christmas. Do you have that gift in your heart? Did you receive Christ that God gave? Did you receive his eternal love? Did you embrace the sacrifice that was done on your behalf on the cross of Calvary? If you did, Go enjoy Christmas. I'm enjoying Christmas because my sins are forgiven. And my name is written in heaven. And I am happy because his love is not for a moment. His love is not only for Christmas. He's not only for 2019 that is coming. His love is eternal. The Bible says, <laughs> those having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. So, dear Christian, at this very moment, 
you have accepted the gift of God. You have appreciated the sacrifice he's done for you. You are washed with his blood. Your sins are forgiven. And now you are a child and your name is heaven and his love toward you is eternal. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Not even a, any, all the powers in the world cannot come close to you. And that's what Christmas means to me. He gave his only begotten son to change my life and give me eternal life. So go and enjoy Christmas with this premise. Remember why he came, what he did, and how should we live to honor him. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Father, we are thankful that you allow us. We still have the freedom in this wonderful country to speak the word freely, to preach the name of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. May he enter the hearts that do not know you yet and change their lives completely. As for your children, those who have, you have adopted and changed, I pray with all my heart that we go out and witness what the Lord has done with us and how much he gave us mercy. Bless each and every family. Give, give each and every person a wonderful Christmas and help us not to forget the purpose of your coming. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. The meeting is over. Thank you for coming. We have so many vacations, so many ill people. Pray for them. And this week, it's off vacation time. Enjoy it. We'll see you Sunday. Next Sunday, it'll be the last message for 2018. So pray for me, and I will meet you here next Sunday early in the morning. God bless you.